0: salute to fathers we begin with the father Genesis 1 1 in the beginning we should pray again father we ask your blessing upon this message as well people give people the extended attention span they need to endure the second message we ask you to speak to our hearts now in Jesus name Amen Genesis 1 1 in the beginning God guess who was here before everything else God created the heavens and the earth doesn't say anything about a big bang does it before time began before creation God the Father existed eternally God the Father Matthew 6 9 Jesus taught the disciples he said pray like this our Father in heaven may your name be kept holy Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. May your name be kept holy. Folks, I think you already know this, but I want to point out. Everything in our universe has its starting point with our heavenly Father. Do you know that? Do you get that? Isaiah 48, 12. Listen to me, O Jacob and Israel, my called. Are you one of God's called? Have you been called by God? Yes, yes? I don't see many hands. Are you, call, are you the called? Yes. Okay. Listen to me, O Jacob and Israel, my called. I am he, not she. It's become popular in New Age circles to begin to refer to God as she. That's not biblical, folks. It's actually blasphemous if you want to know the truth. According to the scriptures, God has a gender and he's a he. I am he, I am the first, I am also the last. He's the beginning and the end. It all started with him and it will end with him, but not for us who know Christ, because we will go on with him throughout eternity. Here's the Noah Webster 1828 definition of father. Father. He who begets a child, in Latin, genitor or generator. That's part one of Webster's definition. Part two, the first ancestor, the progenitor of a race or family. Adam was the father of the human race. Abraham was the father of the Israelites. Proverbs 23:22. Listen to your father who begot or gave you life, who begot you or your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she's old. So as we talk about saluting our fathers here today, the Bible makes it clear that the foundation for a God-ordained family unit, how many of you believe that there is such a thing as a God-ordained family unit? It's both a father and a mother, Having said this, the Bible also makes it equally clear that there's a God-ordained structure in a healthy, functional family where the father is the genitor, the, the generator, the progenitor, the initiator and originator of the marriage relationship and the production and training of offspring. And so for better or for worse, we know that people have all kinds of issues with their fathers. There's great fathers, there's okay fathers, there's not so great fathers because we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God but for better or for worse all things emanate from him dad and yet in today's world there's a massive onslaught against the whole idea and concept of fatherhood men are mocked ridiculed castigated and made to look foolish on the TV and the movies and the media are they not and in order to further complicate and undermine fatherhood as well as motherhood we have the whole LGBTQIA2 thing to deal with. I'm still having a hard time remembering all that and so is Joe Biden for that matter. <laughs> That's one time I can't really blame him to tell you the truth but LGBTQIA2 is an abbreviation that stands for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, or sometimes questioning, intersexual, asexual, and two-spirited. Is that like the double-minded man that James talks about? The plus sign signifies a number of other identities and is included to keep the abbreviation brief when written out. Here's the full abbreviation. It's L-G-B-T-T-T-Q-Q-I-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A uh-huh. That's it. (laughs) Folks, if indeed God's design for the human race is this, one father, one mother, and then as many children as God sees fit with which to bless a family, if indeed this is the basic building block upon which all societies and cultures rest, and in fact that's the truth, it makes absolute sense that Satan's number one focus is the destruction of marriage, Divorce rates just as high in the church as is it is out there in the world. And then some just choose to cohabitate. And now that at one time that was frowned upon. Now it's perfectly fine. You even have Christians doing it. Cohabitation, divorce, gay marriage, all of these things serve to promote the destruction of God ordained marriage and family. Fatherhood, motherhood, childhood. We're destroying childhood through our secular sex education, drag queen shows. The Attorney General of Michigan just said that, what did she say? It was something about how every school should have a drag queen. They make things so much better. The Attorney General of Michigan. The mayor of New York, or was it the governor? One of those who just said, Drag queens are great. It's the very core of who we are as a city. (laughs) Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. I would say by all the things that are happening in our world today, our society, our culture, we are not honoring fathers and mothers. So the promise does not apply for those who do not honor their fathers and mothers or anybody else's fathers and mothers. I don't think it just is limited to your own father and mother. You ought to honor every father and every mother. And by the way, it isn't based upon how well those fathers and mothers perform When the Bible tells us that we're to submit to those in authority, it doesn't say only if they're really good people. Because not all those in authority are good people. Not all those in authority even know what they're doing. But we are honoring God when we submit to earthly authority. And we're honoring God when we honor fathers and mothers. Verse 4, and you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. One translation says do not exasperate your children. Don't frustrate them. Don't major in the minors and minor in the majors. Make sure that your training, your teaching, your discipline is just and correct and fair. But I would also say that provoking your children to wrath could involve exposing them to drag queen shows maybe exposing them to pornography all kinds of things Proverbs 22 6 train up a child in the way he should go and when he is old he will not depart from it but what if you're not training him up in the way that he should go he's going to go in the wrong direction I want to look at some statistics here from a website called modern gentleman that's an interesting concept a modern Gentlemen, don't hear that word too much anymore, do we? I'm not going to give you all of them. This is called 20 statistics on fatherless homes and the importance of dads. Number one, 17.4 million children live in fatherless homes. And this is from a ways back. This amounts to almost a quarter of all American children. More precisely, 23.6% in 2017, the number of fatherless homes in America had increased with 19.7 million children living without a father, which is more than one in four. And again, that's still five years ago. Statistics on absent fathers show that seven million American dads were absent from the life of all their minor children. That means that about 20.2% of these men don't take part in parenting their biological children. Three, statistics on fatherless homes indicate that many of these families in the U.S. live in poverty. Big surprise, huh? Female-led homes with no spouse present had an alarming poverty rate of 47.6% in 2011, more than four times the rate for kids living in families where both parents are present. Four, father absence statistics show that adolescent women from fatherless homes have a higher chance of getting pregnant. In other words, out of wedlock. According to a 2012 study, fatherless homes and teenage pregnancy might be connected. The research included 263 adolescent women aged 13 to 18 seeking psychological help. It showed that young women who come from homes where the father is absent are 3.5 times more likely to get pregnant than adolescent women from father-present households. Also, pregnancy was prevalent in 17.4% of cases in fatherless homes, which is much higher than the estimated 4% in the sample of the adolescent population in the U.S. in 2009. So again, an old statistic, and these things always tend to increase rather than decrease. Six, statistics on fatherhood suggest that the lack of interaction between fathers and infants can forecast behavioral issues later in life the longitudinal cohort study found that from as early as age one kids may express negative behaviors as a result of not having enough interaction with their fathers seven secondary data suggests that father absence may increase the likelihood of young men engaging in criminal activities When talking about fatherless children, crime statistics and research on young men participating in criminal activities has found a link by studying a sample of 835 juvenile inmates. By the way, I might point out these aren't Christian studies. These are not biased studies. These are objective secular studies researchers have found that fatherless was these children's only disadvantage let me start that over again because I interrupted myself by studying a sample of 835 juvenile inmates researchers have found that fatherlessness was these children's only disadvantage compared to others on an individual level professionals found that juveniles from fatherless homes now listen to this one are 279 percent more likely to carry guns and participate in drug trafficking than those who live with their fathers. What percentage of criminals are from single-parent homes? Even though pinpointing the exact percentage of criminals comes from single-parent homes is difficult, most professionals agree that the majority of inmates come from fatherless homes. Some studies suggest that nearly 70% of inmates did not grow up with both parents living in the same home in the U.S., So are we surprised that the whole concept of fatherhood is under attack? Number nine, what are the effects of not having a father in your life? According to professional research, growing up with one parent, in this case the father, can permanently alter the brain's structure. Canadian scientists believe that the absence of fathers usually affects girls more than boys, and can make these children more aggressive have you seen all the girl fight stuff going on around the country I don't spend much time if any watching it but everywhere it pops up all the time there are more girl fights on YouTube and TikTok and whatever Twitter Instagram than there are boy fights they've concluded that it has such a significant impact on children it may even I think I skipped something hold on Canadian scientists believe it affects girls more than boys. They are also more likely to be depressed, have low self-esteem, be poor learners, turn to drugs, and in some cases even commit suicide. Number ten, does growing up without a father affect you? Do, by looking at the previous question and answer, it is clear that scientists see a connection between certain behavioral patterns and growing up without a father they've concluded that it has such a significant impact on children it may even alter their brain structure and chemistry conclusion and again I didn't do all 20 by looking at these figures it can be concluded that growing up without one parent can have a wide variety of negative effects on children increasing the likelihood of them turning to crime and having a lower quality of life in general Furthermore, these statistics on fatherless homes raise a couple of other equally alarming questions regarding other important topics like income inequality, poverty, the efficiency of the education system, more precisely sex education, and crime. As such, fatherlessness and single parenting should be a major concern for all of us to deal with in 2022. Folks, in spite of what the satanic world system tells us today, strong, godly, present fathers are essential for a healthy family, a healthy society, and a healthy world, all of which are extremely questionable in today's environment. And yet, a lot of the brainwashing going on is telling kids and moms Dad is just a big pain. He's a drag on our family. We don't need him. We don't want him. Get him out of here. And so we see a serious deterioration in the men of our society, emasculated, neutralized, neutered, if you will. Our challenge as believers is to reject the false narrative this world keeps bombarding us with, and to embrace the biblical worldview. We've been talking about that a lot lately. The biblical worldview of fatherhood, motherhood, and family. I'm going to read Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit. When you hear the statistics I just read, and then you look at what the people in the world are saying, that's just their beliefs, their philosophies, no basis in fact. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. How many of you have heard of the Ten Commandments? Exodus twenty seven through 17. Let me read those. You shall have no other gods before me. In other words, God's saying, don't bring those false gods in my face. Get them out of here. You shall not make idols. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So the first four have to do with our relationship with God. Then five, honor. Right after, the very next thing after the first four being all about our relationship with God, honor your father and your mother. And then following that, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor or lie. You shall not covet. So, notice right in the middle, honor your father and your mother and look at the things that follow. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't lie. Don't covet or desire what others have. Jealousy, greed. You see, when you don't honor your father and your mother, And by the way, by embracing all these things the world is embracing, the LGBTQIA plus two, I don't know, I can't can't get it right. You are not honoring your father and your mother. When you're saying a man can be a woman and a woman can be a man and you don't have to be either one, that's not honoring your father and your mother. You're not honoring God's creation. You're not honoring God's plan for being fruitful and multiplying and replenishing the earth. And what follows? Not honoring your father and your mother. Murder, adultery, theft, lying, coveting. And coveting is is wanting what somebody else has and then doing everything you can to try and get it. I think the results are abundantly obvious as we look at the world around us today. By not honoring fathers and mothers in the institution of marriage established by God. The good news, folks, we don't have to play by the rules of this world. Amen? Amen. We are citizens of the kingdom of God, and we choose to play by His rules. We will honor our fathers on this day, and we thank them for all they've done for us and continue to do. Now I'll read Ephesians 6, 1 through 4 again. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Again, you've heard me say this many times, and I think it even applies to children, to minors. We're not obligated to obey anyone who asks us to do something that's illegal, immoral, or unbiblical. In the Lord. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that your parents are in the Lord. They may not be. But when you do it, you're honoring Him. You do it in the Lord. You do it as unto Him. Because God has placed them in that position of authority in your life and it has nothing to do with how well they perform. Obey your your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. Interesting, that makes you wonder. 1 John chapter 5, John talks about a sin that leads unto death. It's possible that if we allow sin to go unchecked in our lives, it could result in a premature departure. And when we read this, it makes you wonder, are those who have departed prematurely because they did not honor their father and their mother? And then finally, you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath or exasperate them. It's a great responsibility. But you know what, I think our fathers would do a lot better if we would honor them instead of constantly knocking them putting them down criticizing them that were, that applies to anybody folks the Bible talks about sowing and reaping if you go out in your yard and you throw a bunch of weed seeds around what are you gonna get weeds if you want a good crop You've got to sow good seed. How do you sow good seed into somebody else's life, whether it's your father, your mother, your sister, your brother, your son, your daughter, whoever it is? You have to sow good seed. You have to build up, lift up, encourage, not tear down. Do not provoke your children to wrath but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord we need a whole lot more of that folks in our world today I think I've just laid out everything basically that tells you where our society is at why it's where it's at today it's blatantly obvious godly Christian fathers everywhere we salute you we call upon all men everywhere to yield their lives over to God and to his son Jesus Christ confess them as your Lord and Savior and dedicate yourselves to a life of obedience to the God of all creation. Let's stand. I think that might be a first time, two messages in one hour's time. All right, let's pray. First of all, let's bow our heads. If you have a prayer request here this morning, please raise your hand. I'd like to pray for you guys. Father, you see all those hands, you know each person. You tell us even the very hairs of our head are numbered, so you know each one inside and out. First of all, Lord, I do want to once again lift up the fathers to you, and I pray, Lord, that you would bind the enemy from using anything that I've said this morning to heap condemnation upon them, because your word says there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Lord, we've all made mistakes. We've all come short of your glory. We've all sinned. We ask your forgiveness for those times when we have failed, fallen short, let you down, let our families down, but Lord, you're a God of forgiveness, of healing, restoration, second chances, third chances. Lord, you never give up on us. You told Peter, Lord Jesus, how many, that you should forgive someone 70 times seven if they are truly repentant. Lord, no matter how many times they would offend you, forgive them over and over again, and Lord, that's an example of your forgiveness towards us, that your forgiveness is unlimited It never it never stops. Every time we come to you for forgiveness, you offer it up lovingly, generously, graciously to us. So we pray for forgiveness for the sins and failures of the past, and we pray for the strength to be the godly men and women you've called us to be, moving forward. Father, I do lift up those who've raised their hands today. Some for healing, for health problems, that you'd pour out your healing oil upon them. Lord, give them strength and healing and restoration from any and every affliction. From the very worst to the very least, God, we ask for healing in the mighty name of Jesus. We pray for mental and emotional issues, Lord. Sometimes those can be even more debilitating. We ask for healing, for depression, for anxiety, fear, worry, doubt, anger, bitterness, resentment, jealousy, unbelief, and unforgiveness. Lord, those things will haunt us if we do not divest ourselves of them. So we confess before you any of those things that we're harboring in our hearts today, we renounce them, and we lift them up to you and release them to you that you would set us free. Lord, you said you came to set the captives free to heal the brokenhearted. We pray for healing today for brokenhearted. We pray for the captives to be set free in the mighty name of Jesus. We pray for financial issues, Lord. You are our provider. You promised if we would seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, that all the material things that we need would be added to us. We thank you for that. We praise you for that. Help us to keep our eyes on you, trusting in you, for every morsel that we partake of. Lord, every provision that we experience in this life. You taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Lord, that involves every type of resource and sustenance that you can provide. We thank you and we praise you for providing for us. Pray for jobs where needed, for an extra economic boost where needed, and for wisdom and guidance that we could be good stewards over the resources you've given us. Finally, we pray for healing and restoration of relationships, friendships, Work related relationships, neighborhood relationships, Lord, family relationships. We know that the thief comes but to steal, to kill, to destroy, to divide us, but you came to unite us in Christ. We pray that you'd help us to be promoters of peace, peacemakers, to be the first to promote reconciliation and restoration. We pray for healing in marriages and friendships and all kinds of relationships, Father. We thank you and praise you. You are faithful. We thank you right now for all the things that you are doing and are going to do in our lives. We ask now you to receive our final offering of praise this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.